loving you live your life in vanity. You treated all your hopes. You're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. We're continuing our series on boundaries with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas. I'm here with Deacon Ronnie Lostavica, who is the Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Restorative Justice Ministry of the Diocese of Austin in the Gatesville region. I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, also engaged in restorative justice ministry. And as we continue our session, Deacon Ronnie, what uh, what's our next question for Renee? Renee, uh, what are some of the myths associated with boundaries? Um, Before I get right into those myths, I want to um, just give a little information about a really great book because I am not brilliant, y'all. A lot of the information I'm sharing with you today um, came from the book called Boundaries, and it's by Cloud and Townsend. So if you have that book in your... uh, prison library or if somebody would be willing to order it for you it is a fabulous book it's based in christian values um, and it is so helpful in helping you understand boundaries how to establish boundaries enforce everything that you can need and the book is boundaries by cloud and townsend how is cloud spelled Uh uh-huh c-l-o-u-d and then Townsend is T-O-W-N-S-N-D. It's a fabulous book. Um, I give it to clients. Um, I've given it to my children. And so in the book, they talk about some of the myths that are associated with boundaries. And so one of the myths is I'm being selfish if I have boundaries. Um, some people believe that if I have a boundary with you, well, then I'm being selfish. So in our other segment, you know, I talked about drugs or one of my boundaries. You know, a friend might say to me, well, you don't have to use drugs just because I'm using drugs. You're being selfish, right? So often when you use boundaries with people, somebody's going to come back and say you're selfish for doing that. And that's a myth because boundaries are not about being selfish. Boundaries are about self-love. If I love myself and care about myself and respect myself, I'm going to have some boundaries. Um, Sometimes boundaries can be seen as a sign of disobedience. And it was really interesting. Um, I can't remember everything that was in the book because this was in the book specifically. And it was talking about like um, family. You know, um, if you have a boundary a parent or an uncle or a sibling must say, well, you know, you're being disobedient to family values by having this boundary. And so sometimes it can look like disobedience, but it's a needed thing, even with our fa- within our family structures, to have boundaries. Um, other people will hurt me if I begin setting boundaries. Actually, boundaries are that's what's going to protect you from people hurting you because you're going to set in place what your boundary is. So it's actually a protective measure. And in saying that, think of boundaries as kind of like a fence around you, not a wall. That's completely different. A wall is where I put up a barrier. A wall says we're not going to be, you know, intimately, which means knowing somebody on a deep level, that's what I'll do. Walls push you out, They, you know. But a fence, we can work with, right? I can still be intimate with you. 
There's just going to be some boundaries in this relationship. Um, I will hurt others if I set boundaries. It's not your responsibility if they're hurt um, because you don't want them doing drugs in your house or you don't want them drinking in your house or you don't allow for cussing or you don't allow for somebody to scream and yell in your presence when they're angry or throw things, you know, whatever your boundaries are about whatever behaviors. Um, if this person is hurt by that, then that is on that person. That has nothing to do with you. Um and if you set boundaries, you must be angry. Actually, boundaries are usually what kind of protects you from somebody else's anger. And you're not creating boundaries out of an angry place, typically. We're creating boundaries out of a good, healthy, emotional place. I'm not angry in any boundary that I set with somebody. There's no anger based in it. It's how is Renee protecting herself emotionally you know, uh, mentally, even psychologically from people. Um, feelings of guilt are created with the establishment of uh, a boundaries. And sometimes you may experience some guilt when you're establishing a boundary. Like I told you in the last segment, I had to set boundaries with my kids because of drug use. And there was some guilt associated with that, Right. But that means I need if I'm feeling guilty, I need to I need to examine where is this guilt coming from? You know, what what is this about? Why do I feel guilty? What's going on in my head? And maybe writing it out. And for me, it was like, well, I didn't feel like, you know, I was being a supportive mother if I don't allow these children to be around me at all times. Or maybe I wasn't being a loving mother. But what I was being was a supportive, loving person to myself. Their behaviors are their behaviors, but I have to love and take care of me. And then another uh, myth is maybe the fear of um, I'm going to be burning bridges, you know, if my boundaries are permanent. Well, boundaries can flux sometimes. I mean, maybe they need to kind of ebb and flow for the most part. They're established as they are. But even if they are permanent boundaries that you have forever, um, it's not about burning a bridge. We can swim. If the bridge burns, you can swim, right? Um, it's about you and your relationship with yourself or your relationship with God. That's what really, what boundaries are about. How it affects somebody else is on them to figure out. This is about you. So what are the types of personal boundaries? Sure. There's, um, so... Um, another great place that I love to get information, um, therapists use it a lot. It's called Therapist Aid, and it's a online site where you can anybody could go there, not just therapists, but clients can go there as well. They have a lot of great handouts and worksheets for clients to, to get a hold of. And so um, some of these came from that their particular site, and I love it because it kind of breaks boundaries down into to different sections. And so you have physical boundaries. And so that's your personal space, right? Like when I go to the grocery store and I'm in line, you know, at Walmart or whatever, we like our personal space, which right now with COVID, everybody has personal space. But, you know, in the time past, think about your personal space um, and physical touch. Um, that's also a boundary. Um, we have a new grandbaby. And so it's very exciting. She's, she's um, 18 months or a little older. 
And one of the things that that we do not do is we don't force her to hug people or kiss people. Right. That's on her. So like my mom was like, well, give Grammy a hug and a kiss. And she didn't want to. And I didn't make her. Right. Because we need to have some of those boundaries um, with physical touch. And sometimes with children, what we do is we kind of push them into doing, you know, physically hugging people because it's grandma or it's grandpa or this is my friend. When how great is it that she can decide? And later she did hug my mom. But it was on her terms to do that. So boundaries are physical. They're a physical touch. It's your personal space. Um, Healthy physical boundaries include an awareness of what's appropriate or what's not appropriate, like hugs, handshakes, uh, kisses. All of that is part of your physical boundaries. Um, You know, if somebody hugs you or they touch you and you don't like that, I mean, that's part of physical boundary. You may need to have a boundary uh, with someone. I don't mind if certain people hug me, but others, we're going to have a handshake. And so typically, um, I try to be the first to go, you could say. And this way, if it's somebody that I just want to do a handshake with, which what with COVID right now, we're not doing anything anyway, you know, I'll extend my hand. And this way, that person knows, oh, she doesn't want to hug. She'll, you know, she's extended her hand for a handshake. Um, and then there's also, you can also look at physical boundaries too, like with your stuff, you know, your personal space at home. So like, um, if I go through and rummage through somebody's bedroom, that's invading their physical space as well. Or if I'm in somebody's home and I open up the medicine cabinet and I'm kind of looking through their what their medications are, that's a physical boundary as well. So it's not just my personal body of being touched, but it's also the physical boundaries, you know, within a home or within a car. Um, This is going to sound like a silly one, but I am very cognizant for some reason of when I'm in somebody's car, I don't change their radio station because it's not my car. That it's a weird physical violation, but it is. And my sister is my best friend. I mean, I've known this child since she was, what, for 48 years now because she's 48. And yet still, I don't go through the things in her home like, well, you know, she'll say, well, just go in my room and get it. And I'm not comfortable with that, you know, because that's her space. That's her physical stuff. So a boundary. Um, There's also intellectual boundaries. So meaning um, it refers to like thoughts and ideas. Um, And so sometimes... You could be in a discussion with somebody. Um, maybe you're talking about a book or a religion. Um, and so one, I like how they put this. Intellectual boundaries are violated when somebody dismisses or belittles another person's thoughts or ideas. So if you think about like politics, religion, some of those conversations that may be more intellectual in, you know, in terms, if, if I put you down, you know, well, this is what I believe. You're wrong, and I'm belittling you or making you feel bad. That's also a boundary violation. It happens sometimes. I've noticed um, people, I'm a new Catholic, right? And so people will go, well, you pray to Mary, you know, and it becomes this whole intellectual uh, boundary violation for me. You don't really know this, but you want to tell me what I'm doing. And so they violated a boundary. Um Emotional boundaries, that's about people's feelings. Um, Healthy emotional boundaries 
include limitations on when to share and when not to share personal information. Um, If you are a person that shares a lot of information, you probably have weak uh, boundaries because we don't want to overshare too much. Um, For um, well, And it says that right here. This is one of their examples is that like you're getting to know somebody. You know, you're just in that process of getting to know them. And you're already sharing everything about your life, your expectations, what you want. Then there's some emotional boundaries that have been violated. Um, Also, sexual boundaries. There are boundaries within the sexual relationship between people. Um, A mutual understanding and of what respect and limitations are um, within partners in a sexual relationship. You know, what am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? Where are the limitations? Where are the safeguards in that? Um, And so that's an important piece too. Material boundaries. That refers to monies and possession. Healthy material boundaries involve setting limits on what you're willing to share and what you're not willing to share. I'm sure that happens a lot with incarcerated, I would think, right? Like I know um, with my son being um, incarcerated, he had a guy that wanted to beat him up because Drew wouldn't share some of, you know, his food that he had purchased. And it was a boundary violation. Like Drew's like, no, this is mine. You know, it was purchased for me and you're just not, you just can't take it from me. And then time boundaries. Sometimes there's those people that just want to monopolize your time. And so you may need to have a time uh, boundary as well. I had a friend from my previous life before priesthood who was just expert at time boundary management. You could be at his house having an evening, and those conversations that would happen where someone is trying to draw the evening to a close. Well, you know, I've got a long day tomorrow, and so they're looking at their watch, but you don't pick up on it or you choose not to pick up on it, and you start another topic of conversation that's going to extend the the engagement He would sit there and just look at you for a minute and then extend his arm straight out with one finger pointed towards the door and just look at you. Wow. And we were friends. I mean, we Uh we worked together and we knew each other, but you knew it was boundary time and and off you would go. So, you know, I think sometimes with certain people, as, as impolite as that may sound, it was probably about the most polite way he could say without getting ugly about it. Look, man, we're done here. And uh, I've tried to give you the, the clue. You didn't catch it. So now I'm just going to make this plane out. And uh, that was kind of how he handled it. I think that's a perfect example of a of a boundary violator and a boundary enforcer, right? Like you're trying to, you know that your time is up, but you're wanting to extend it a little further. And he's like, it's time to go. So great example, Father Harry. So, um Renee, yeah, in that ahead. in that image of a violator and enforcer, <laughs> uh, help us uh, to understand perhaps better what it means to have rigid for us and our healthy boundaries. Oh yes, so let me pull up something right here because I have to admit, y'all, I will not remember all of these, so um, I'll, I'll pull it up for you. But. We already know that, you know, personal boundaries are the limits. They're the rules that you're setting in your relationships with people. And so sometimes our our boundaries can be very rigid, like Father Harry's friend. Sounds like he has some really rigid um, 
you know, boundaries, sometimes people will have more porous. If you think about something that's porous, there's it's kind of got little holes in it, right? And then healthy. So you don't want them so rigid, but you don't want them porous where they're really kind of flim flammy. And then what your your hope is, is that you're going to have um, healthy boundaries. And what I love in here is it talks about that most people will have a mix of different boundaries. And it gives us an example. It says somebody could have healthy boundaries at work, uh, but maybe more porous boundaries in a romantic relationship or maybe a mix of all of those in your family. And sometimes it's not a one size fits all. So when I was sharing with you, like sometimes my boundaries were not always best with my kids, but I worked in an alternative school setting. So I had very, probably very rigid boundaries because it was very cut and dry. It was very strict and very structured because it had to be. Um, So I couldn't have necessarily porous um, boundaries in that setting for safety reasons for myself and the students in my classroom. Um, Sometimes the appropriateness of boundaries depends upon the setting. Um, So what's appropriate, like with your neighbor as a boundary, may not be the thing that's appropriate for a friend, you know, or maybe like I had those really rigid, you know, boundaries at work because I had to be safe physically. Um, But that might not necessarily be the way it should be at home with my family and friends. And so um, just in kind of looking at some of their examples, because I like the examples that they have on here. When you think about somebody with rigid boundaries, often this person avoids really close relationships. They may be unlikely to ask for help from others because they're so rigid. Um, They may have very few close relationships. Um, And they're very protective of personal information. Um, And they may seem kind of detached from you. I mean, when you're talking about your friend, he probably wasn't detached. But as a listener, I was hearing detached, right? Um, And they may keep others at a distance because of a fear of rejection. Or maybe they feel like friendships and relationships are just too much responsibility. So um, that's kind of those rigid boundaries. Um, Somebody with porous boundaries, they may often share, overshare personal information. Um, Sometimes I can fall into that category. I think primarily because I'm trying to give an example to relate to something else. So I'll share something of my life with my kids or whatever. So it may seem like a porous um, boundary. Um, These people will typically have difficulty with no. Um, If somebody asks them to do something, that's your yes person all the time. Um, They may be overly involved in other people's problems. That's also a sign of somebody that maybe has porous uh, boundaries. And sometimes they're dependent upon the opinions of other people. You know, they can't make a boundary or set a boundary or do some things unless they have the opinions of others well, what would this be like? Or what does that sound like? Does it sound like I'm being mean or bad? You know what I mean? Um, often these people are accepting of abuse or disrespect. So that person maybe that's incarcerated that does allow people to like disrespect them, um, maybe be abusive to them. Um, they're really concerned with other people's opinions. Um, this is probably a person with those porous type of boundaries. And often it's that fear of rejection 
from others. That's their thinking that facilitates those porous boundaries. With a person that has healthy boundaries, I mean, they're valuing their opinion because it's their life. It's their needs. It's their values. That's part of that boundary development. So they're more inclined to value their own opinion. And they don't compromise their values for other people. You can create healthy boundaries if you don't compromise your value system. So I'm not compromising what Jesus is telling me to do, right? Keeping that in mind when I'm developing my boundaries, I'm not compromising what he says for somebody else. Um, Sharing personal information, but not in an inappropriate way. So it means I'm not going to overshare. I'm not going to give every little detail of a situation. Um, And they know their personal wants. They know what they need, and they know how to communicate them. Um, I have boundaries with people, and I'm not rude about it. I'm just kind of, you know, kind of usually a matter of fact about it, and I'll smile or whatever, but... um, Typically, I can communicate well uh, what my boundaries are to other people. And when other people say no, I accept it. It doesn't mean I'm changing my, my boundary, but I will accept your no. So that's just kind of the, the porous and healthy versus rigid. So we've got porous, we've got rigid, and then there's healthy, which is what we're shooting mm-hmm. for. Um, what are the guidelines for setting a boundary so that you reach that goal of healthy boundaries? So I think part of this, and and it's not, I have a list here, not a real long list, but um, just some of the guidelines, but it really is about looking at your values, you know, um, and maybe even doing some questioning, like, you know, what would, what would Jesus want me to do, you know, with this? And maybe going to Jesus as well for help with creating your boundaries. I mean, it can be very useful to go to him, but I think it's really about looking at, you know, your beliefs, looking at your values, what's driving you. That's that's one of the keys to setting good boundaries. And then just some guidelines when you're actually doing this with other people, you know, you want to be clear and unemotional, right? So um, it's always interesting to me that when people, uh, people will say they're being assertive or they're, you know, they're just presenting their limits and their rules, but they're talking like they're yelling or they're being harsh or they're cussing, you know, and maybe their head is going and the fingers wagging all this business, right? Um, for me, that that's not, um, let's see, it's not like you're clearly, you know, you're not emotionally in control then. You're actually emotionally dysregulated. When you're having to yell at somebody and cuss and scream and, you know, your hands are everywhere and you're, it would look to the other person like you're highly animated. What it really is, is you're emotionally dysregulated. When I'm sharing a boundary with somebody, I'm emotionally in control. It's, it's very unemotional. You know, it's, this is how it is and this is how it's going to be. Um, and also it's about the consequences and we're going to get into that more in our next segments. Um, but what actions are you willing to take to enforce your boundaries with people? There has to be a consequence. I mean, I can give you a boundary, but if somebody violates it, then what, right? There has to be a consequence to that. So it could be, well, I'm not going to be in the room with you anymore, or we're not going to have this conversation anymore. Or it could be like, 
we're not going to have a friendship. So depending upon the boundary that you've set forth, there always has to be consequences to go with it. Um, Because you will have to enforce with people what you want. If you don't enforce, they don't know. I can tell you this is my boundary, but if I don't give a consequence in some way, people don't know. Um, And know that that over time, um, your, your boundary could, you know, gradually change. Like I told you, I had a boundary, you know, with my son. He couldn't come to my house. Like, you're not coming in. Well, eventually that did change. You know, he got better. He was doing some right things. Um, changing behaviors. So then at some point, you know, now he he's never lived with me since. That's not possible. But but that's because I recognize our behaviors, our patterns in our relationship. So there are certain boundaries that have to stay in place. But even in me saying that to you, it kind of gives you an idea of how this works, right? So before where he couldn't come in my house at all, then when he was getting better, behaviors are changing. He's not using drugs as much. Then he could come into my house, but he still couldn't live with me. He can't live with me now. He will probably never live with me. Um, and it's just because I recognize that he and I have patterns of behaviors. And some of those patterns still haven't changed yet. And until they do, he can't live with me. And so... Um, you know, that relationship is, is a work in progress early. And that, too, is a, a is a, another piece of it. Our relationships often ebb and flow. Some of them are just pretty the same all the time, so people know your boundaries. But when you have relationships where there's some yin and yang or ebb, you know, the ebb and flow of relationship, your boundaries may have to shift somewhat, too. And then um, kind of knowing... When to be, when can you be negotiable? You know, when can I kind of negotiate on some of the boundaries um, if it seems like they're really rigid, like you've put that line in the sand, you know, where can it, where was it really rigid? Because at one point you may have needed a really rigid boundary. Um, When I woke up that night and saw what I saw in my house, I knew I needed some, we needed a rigid boundary that had to happen primarily, and it wasn't really for him, it was for me. It was about my safety. It was about mentally and emotionally, psychologically, me taking care of myself. So it was very rigid. You know, the line was drawn in the sand that night. Um, But over time, I was able to kind of negotiate. Well, yeah, you can come over. And he had to call. He couldn't just pop up on my porch, you know, those kind of things. You know, he knew he had to call. He knew he wasn't spending the night. You could hang out for a couple hours. Maybe we're going to have dinner, whatever, play some games. But it's being able to, you know, look at a boundary. Is it too rigid? Um, Can we negotiate now and maybe back off a little bit or change it to make it work? So... You've been listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. We're continuing our series with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, and Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Restorative Justice Ministry in the Diocese of Austin in the Gatesville region, and myself, Father Harry Dean. Um, in our next series, we'll uh, be starting out with what are some of the signs of unhealthy boundaries. Got about a minute and a half here, Renee, and I just wanted to ask you one one last thing was, um, do you do you need to spend time explaining your boundaries no. to people? Okay, mm-hmm. that was a question I wanted to put to you. 
your boundary is your boundary. You are not bound. <laughs> kind of funny play on words there. Um, you're not bound to to explain anything to anybody. Um, it's your it's your boundary. Um, you know, I was thinking a little bit about emotional boundaries. And one of the one of the most challenging thing with emotional boundaries is sometimes not knowing how to separate your feelings from your partner or your friend's feelings. And sometimes you allow their mood to dictate your level of happiness or sadness and all those pieces, you know, with boundaries, which kind of speaks to what you're saying. Right. Um, If I feel like I need to explain this boundary to somebody a good question to ask might be, or a good thing to practice would be separating my feelings from their feelings, right? Um, sometimes with partners and friends, we get really caught up in their happiness or sadness, and then we want to give those explanations for our boundaries. Well, thank you for that. We look forward to the beginning of our next session. We ask Almighty God to continue to bless us and to help us to hear how He guides us with the boundaries that come from His Word, from the sacraments, from the teaching authority of our church. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Brother, if you walk with me, brother, 